0: Hello there, and welcome to the WP Builds podcast. Once again, this is episode number 183 entitled How I Have Evolved My Wallace Inline WordPress Plugin. It was published on Thursday, the 10th of June, 2020. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and a few bits of housekeeping before we begin. Firstly, something new to mention. I've joined forces with a good friend of mine, Sabrina Zidane, and we are going to launch a brand new live mini-series of podcast episodes. And when I say live, that means they're going to be going out in our Facebook group over at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook or at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Now, the intention of this is to launch, like I said, a mini-series. It's entitled WordPress Plugin Startup from 0 to 10K Installs, because Sabrina has launched a new plugin. And she's going to be charting over many, many weeks how it's all gone, what she did well, what she did badly, what she's learned along the way. And she's going to be sharing that with us, which I think is really, really nice. If you head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, you'll see that I've pinned this as an announcement at the top of the page and you can go and get yourself a reminder. But just to say that it's on the 16th of June and the 16th of June is in fact a Tuesday and it's at 2 p.m. UK time. So I'd really appreciate it if you could give me and Sabrina your support by turning up for that. That would be really, really nice. And maybe we'll all learn something along the way. It's not intended as kind of like a masterclass because we're just learning from Sabrina what her mistakes were along the way. And maybe if you're gonna produce a product in the WordPress space, this might be of some interest to you. So join us for that. The other things to mention are wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Over there you'll be able to join our Facebook group, sign up for our newsletters and find us on your favourite podcast player. All the usual stuff. Head over also to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals for a whole bunch of WordPress deals. They're there 365 days of the year and they never seem to go away. I've added a couple of new ones this week, so go and check that out. And also wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise if you would like to have your product or service put in front of a WordPress-specific audience. A bit like A-B Split Test have done. Do you want to set up your A-B Split Tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. buttons images, headers, rows, really anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress block editor. Check it out at absplittest.com. OK, let's get stuck into the main event, shall we? This is an interview that I did a few months ago, so a little bit of the content may be out of date. Perhaps Bradley has in fact updated the plugin, but I'm speaking to Bradley Kirby this week all about how it's been going at Wallace in Line. Wallace in Line is a plugin that you can use to edit just things on the page in line. So the idea is that you click on a title and you edit, you edit it directly there. It started out as something in Beaver Build compatible with Beaver Builder only. But recently he's added a whole bunch of new functionality. So for example, he's got some support for Elementor. He's added in things for Beaver Thema. Um, he's added in ACF and Pods Fields. He's got those working as well. But he also talks about how the plugin works, what it does, what it conceals, who it can conceal things from. And if you're interested in making it so that your clients can only modify certain things exactly as they appear on the page, this could well be of interest to you so I hope that you enjoy the podcast. Hello there, thank you for getting to the interview part of the podcast. Today I'm joined by Bradley Kirby. How are you doing, Bradley?
1: Good, good.
0: How are you, Nathan? Yeah, good. We've had Bradley on. I think we've had Bradley on the podcast once, and then we've done some, you know, some um, like webinars and things like that. Bradley, if you've not come across him before, um, is a, a product developer. He's a is a plugin developer for WordPress. It's kind of in the um, the page builder space. You may well have heard of something called Wallace in Line. but if you haven't. I could explain it, but I'm bound to do a terrible job of it, so let's hand it over to Bradley and say, hi Bradley, what does Wallace in Line do?
1: Hello, so uh, Wallace in Line is a client-friendly editor for WordPress, and you can kind of think of it as a, a super minimalist front-end editor, uh, meant specifically for clients to use, um, and right now it's compatible with Beaver Builder and Elementor.
0: Okay, um, yeah, sorry, I was interrupting you slightly there. What, what what does that exactly mean? What what does it add to the compat? Well, what is the compatibility that it adds to um, Beaver Builder? Let's start there.
1: So the way I think about it is, if you're an agency or a freelancer making websites for other people, uh, you're using these page builders to design really great pages for your clients, but you don't necessarily want to train them on, and give them access to the page builders themselves, and so that's where Walls and Line comes in. Um, it allows them to edit just the content on the sites that you built them with these page builders without giving them access to the page builder itself. So you're able to, like the client is able to go on the live site, click the live editor button in the admin bar and then edit the site right there in line. So there's no separate editing interface, there's no separate um, like design type features. They can just click on the text, edit the text right there, click on an image, edit the image and it provides a really nice experience for the clients while still providing that separation of concerns uh, for the agency.
0: Um, so is this done like on user roles then? So for example, if I'm the administrator of the site and I, I can have access to absolutely everything, do I assign them a, a particular unique and special kind of Wallace in line role or are they? is it configured for the editor role or contributor or whatever it might be?
1: Yeah, it's customizable by role and by user itself. So you would typically assign them um, what's called like limited access and so the limited access role basically gives you the ability to to d- define on a module by module basis uh, what they're allowed to edit and what they're not. Um, and then there's also even you can even get more granular than that and, and give a particular user only access to a single page. Um, so so there's a highly
0: highly granular,
1: highly well defined how much access or little access you can give to your you can give to your clients or the people that you, you want using. Uh, the product.
0: Okay, so let, let's say, for example, that you've built a site and I've um, had you build that site, and you're handing it over to me. Prior to handing it over, presumably there'd be some, you know, toing and froing and conversation about what what what, what capabilities should you have? You know, do you want to be able to edit everything? That's probably not a good idea. Okay, we'll mm-hmm. set you up with some limited capabilities just to make life easy for you. And actually, to be honest, a lot of my clients want exactly that. They don't want the ability to break things. They're terrified of the uh, the tyranny of seeing all the menus i just want no i just want to edit it where do why is the text over there that i want to edit over here Um, and so on and so forth so i would then as your client go to the website log in with the credentials i'm given and then i would be looking at the page directly and i would be hovering around trying to get some sort of visual feedback as to the bits that i can edit yeah Okay. And so what what are the limitations of this? So let's say, for example, that I go to a typical uh, homepage where I've got a, I don't know, a hero section with a background image. I might have some large H1 text at the top there. And if we scroll down, there might be some more images, some more text, there might be a video on there, something along those lines. How What are the capabilities? Let's say that I, I want to give them um, a whole load of different possibilities. What what can I kind of lock down on a module-by-module module basis or allow on a module-by-module module basis?
1: So you could lock down any individual module that you wanted, even in the individual field that you wanted. And, and by lockdown, I mean you as the admin would go in and click the lock button right there on, on the interface. Um, and then when the client logged in on their account, they just simply wouldn't be able to hover over that and edit it. Um, but as, in terms of content types, um, if you wanted to give them access, you give them access to editing text, editing images, even editing background images. Um, the only real sort of system-wide limitation, and this is more just a product decision, is that uh, the clients don't have access to like editing anything to do with the design. And so if they wanted to make some text bigger or smaller, that's not something um, that's offered right now. Or if they wanted to like change colors of stuff, that's not offered right now. Um, the idea there is that that's your job as the designer is to as the website builder is to um, define the design.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can see this being really extremely useful, just from the point of view of not having to not having to deal with catastrophic mess ups that come back to you. You know what I'm meaning is, you've handed it over to the client, you've, you know, they've definitely requested uh, administrator permissions. You've somehow mm-hmm. uh, somehow been coerced into giving them that, and the site is launched. And two weeks later, you go to look at it and you realise everything is wrong. They've uh, adjusted the font size, they've adjusted the text, um, they've adjusted the padding and the the margins, the image that you said carefully cropped has now been ruined by some other abomination and so on so this just strips away all that pain you as part of the process of building out a page you add an additional step presumably right at the end before you are finished of going in and locking everything down or can you do it the other way around can you just sort of like lock everything down and then go and unlock just the bits that you want
1: i don't think there's a way right now to by default lock everything down but but I, I don't think also that it's, it would be that common of a of a scenario to, to be locking down so much of the site, yeah, because because it's it's so fundamentally built for for content only anyway that it's mm-hmm. sort of sort of like that already that just by virtue of the fact that you're not giving them access to the page builder, all those design elements are locked down. And like you're saying, I definitely think it cuts down on um, instances of like the site's getting messed up and instances of support requests um, for like your clients are giving you, um, it's not that surprising to me that if you give someone a powerful tool that they're going to want to use those powerful features, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think being able to set the context of like what is uh, the most common and the most useful things to edit versus what's not. And then, of course, if there is a design type element that they disagree with or that they want to uh, talk to you about, you're still just an email away. so. It's not like those things are locked down forever. Yeah, this this sets the context in that like okay, this is what on a day to day basis you're going to be editing, Um, and and then the other stuff is out of sight, out of mind.
0: Do you do you typically find that people that use your plugin um, use it simply? Well, l- let's put it this way: they kind of conceal the fact that there was ever a page builder there at all, and they just introduce it to the client as, "Look, this is this is the editing experience that that you're going to have," and there's no mention that uh, actually we, we could, if we really wanted to, give you considerable, um, you know, you could give you m- much more power if you so chose. I can see myself deploying it that way just when I make the videos to explain how the site works and what have you, just log in as them and then pretend like that's all that they would ever have been allowed to do anyway.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And a lot of my customers do do that. Yeah. Um, a, a common a common sort of other customization uh, to do along with Wallace Inline is editing the uh, the admin bar so that the, the page builders, uh, they they, they're disappeared so they don't even have the idea of access to a page builder yeah um, yeah and then it, this often goes along with like intense um white labeling of the of the backend dashboard if they're even allowed access to the back end dashboard or even given access and so i think that's that's it's actually a very common use case
0: does does um wallace inline do any of that heavy lifting of you know removing the the little beaver builder or elementor um editing options in the admin area do you do you provide that functionality Have you got to got to figure out another workaround for that
1: no it doesn't yet yeah, yeah. you would have to uh, do some custom work on your own but i think there are lots of other simple plugins that you can achieve okay that with
0: so what's the what's the cue that you see on the page so again let's pretend that i'm the the logged in user who's got limited access uh, as i'm as i've logged in and i'm um, rolling my mouse around what are the what are the cues that alert me to the fact that there's something over here is it like a like a little uh, rectangle which goes over some text or a little cog icon or a little wrench or whatever it might be
1: yeah so it is a just a dotted blue border around the editable around the editable text and images, and then once you hover over that that dotted blue border becomes a solid blue border, and then uh, once you click in it, uh, you're obviously given a cursor icon or you're given a uh, an edit button in the case of images, um, and so that that can guide you through the process of. Okay. of editing the, the content
0: and what about um an image then how would i so i mean the curse is a bit of a giveaway isn't it? you get the flashing line and oh look here i can type on the keyboard and um and things you know i can type in text and remove text and what have you what about images and background images and so on how how do you um how do you display that there's an image to be altered
1: so images are pretty straightforward they like text there's a the dotted blue border around the image and so you'll click that and then the image will highlight itself and give you an edit button. And then once you click the edit button, the uh, the typical WordPress media library will open up and allow you to select um, an image that you've already uploaded or to, or to upload a new image. Mm-hmm. And once you've selected that, um, it'll display in line, display where it will display on the live site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, and then background images are pretty interesting because background images uh, the way I think about it is, there's always going to be some amount of text uh, on fr- in front of the background image, and you don't know where exactly um, that's going to be. So yeah, yeah. when I was when I was designing the the interface for editing background images, I was like, well, I, you can't guarantee that whatever uh, button you're going to put there is going to be interactable. Uh, so the way I did it was uh, sort of in I call it like a contextual menu item will pop up in the uh, live editor toolbar at the bottom left, um, where If you click on text that's above a background image, there'll be a new button that pops up in the Live Editor toolbar that will allow you to then edit that background image.
0: Um, and then presumably the fact that all of this, you know, you've got limited array of uh, possible editing options. It takes your, your time to explain the page builder and all of its, um, you know, all of its little intricacies almost to zero. You could, you know, create a video, hover the mouse around a little bit, say, click here, type, you know, and here's how you edit images. And you don't and probably have that whole process sealed within a minute.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's very very intuitive. The the goal for me building this product was to put as little interface as possible between the user and the live site. Okay. So it's just the bare necessities of selecting and saving um, and publishing that that are actually exist, and everything else is right there in the live site. And yeah. there's no separate uh, there's no separate you know URL like there is for a builder. There's no separate page load. You're literally loading the live site and just clicking a little. Uh, live editor button in the top bar and then you're getting a little toolbar and then everything else is right there on
0: the website. It kind of feels to me that when I, when I hand over a site which has got um, lorem text, I feel a bit nervous about that because that immediately requires the the user to kind of um, you know log in and explore all the different options and you know up pops Beaver Builder and suddenly all those menus are there. Oh look, if I did this, I could change its font size and I could change its color or what have you. It feels to me that you could you you'd be far more likely to to wish to hand a, a, a site full of lorem over with this setup yep. because yep. you can just say well you can just write whatever text you want in there that's the gap that it's going to go in and you know that they're not going to go off exploring ways to break it
1: exactly yeah yeah, yeah and, sounds... and it's kind of a it's, it's a painting in the lines it's like filling in the blanks um because they're not creating new modules and they're not deleting them so you're setting up the layout and like you say you put in the placeholder images the placeholder text and then they, as the clients, are best positioned to to write that copy or to or to you know hand that off to a copywriter that they might have, yeah, uh, in order to write that copy.
0: So, um, I guess one of the questions that would be asked is, you know, so we can do presumably we can do regular WordPress posts and pages that'll all work just out of the box. But increasingly, you know, WordPress is becoming the the playground for more sophisticated solutions. You know, advanced custom fields and things like that. So the content that you see on the page is the product of a field, which is in some random custom post type and what have you. Are there any Are there any kind of integrations with those kind of products, custom field creation tools?
1: Yes. So if you're a Beaver Builder and Beaver Themer customer, uh, I've just recently come out with uh, advanced custom fields and also pod support, which is a similar solution mm-hmm. to uh, custom fields. And so if you're creating custom fields through beaver themer uh, all of those are editable uh in the same way with wallace inline and so from a user perspective what's neat about that is again like the, the underlying technology is completely hidden for them it's just a, a piece of text it doesn't matter that it's a custom field um uh, and they're able to edit it like any other piece of text and, and that's that's the main um i'm kind of the holy grail with this product and what I'm working towards every day is that kind of unified editing experience where you as the designer developer are using all of these uh, sophisticated tools, uh, custom fields and and page builders and and page templates and layouts and so forth um, to build a really nice uh, dynamic site. And then all of that is unified um, by Wallace Inline for a, a simple Editing interface uh, for the clients.
0: I guess. I guess the follow up question to that would be then. Let's say, for example, that I've created a custom post type, or I don't know, of uh, shoes, and in there are images of shoes, and there's custom fields listing things like a description of the shoe and the size of the shoe and what have you. You know, all the different things that shoes can have. And I've created a Beaver Themer layout, which is basically just like a templating system. It allows me to create a page for the Shoe content type and arrange. Okay, the picture for all shoes will go over there. The title for all shoes will go over there. And then when you when you load up a page for a particular shoe, it it looks just like that. So when I'm logged in as the user that I'm pretending to be, and I go to I don't know the, this this particular shoe and change the the title of it or change some f- uh, text. Are you somehow sort of squirreling that data away in a different table somewhere, and I'm writing it over the top and deleting the? Or are you are you literally customizing, editing the ACF field uh, in the custom post type?
1: It is the the custom field itself. That's yep. what you're editing. There's no separate like mirroring anything like that. Okay.
0: There's no no disguising. So I suppose that that might be an interesting thing which m- might rear its head with the clients. You know, let's say for example that you've deployed. That was a bad example, shoes. Now I'm thinking about, oh, I don't know, something like testimonials might be a better one. And you could have those testimonials appearing in multiple different places on websites, you know, and and I can imagine that if, you know, you do some sort of filter so that it presents a random one on this particular page and it shows the third testimonial on this particular page. Um, I suppose you've got to be a bit mindful and educate the users about that. Okay, you're editing it over here, but just be careful because that means it's also going to be spitting out a different one over there. You know, it's not just that the page is static.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly. With with great power comes great responsibility. In that well, regard, I think.
0: Yeah, and but I guess you know, I guess um, I guess that's just how it is. So you've got um through Beaver Thema, you can use ACF and Pods. Um, have you got any more sort of like roadmap features that you're thinking about integrating into the Beaver Builder stack at the moment? Uh,
1: Beaver Builder, I think, is looking pretty good right now in terms of the breadth of support. So right now, you have. Global fields are editable. You have um, Beaver Themer headers. Footers are editable. You have the advanced custom field stuff is editable through Beaver Themer. Um, background fields uh, or background images are editable. Icons are editable. So I feel actually pretty good about where Beaver Builder is right now. Mm. Um, in terms of um, in terms of expanding integration right now, I'm, I'm focusing on Elementor. Um, I want to get the Elementor theme builder stuff online, which is not online yet, um, and increasing like... A third-party support for Elementor.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. C- can I come to Elementor in just one second? I just want to ask you one final Beaver Builder-related question, and that is oh, the um, that is the one about the you, you just mentioned global. Um, gl- global areas. So in, in Beaver Builder, traditionally, if you go over and edit something, you get this blue, as you describe, this blue kind of rectangle which appears. And if it's a global row or what have you, it, it's, I'm going to say orange. Uh, for the, I'm not sure whether it's orange or not, but it, it kind of looks orange. That is orange. Do you adopt that same um, notion? So you could tell a client, right, this is used elsewhere, likely, because it's orange, or do you in some way indicate that um, visually?
1: I actually don't right now, but that is uh, I should do that. And I think a, a previous version of Awesome I did, did did do that, but for some reason I had uh, disabled it. But but I think that's going to be making a, a return because you're right. Any any sort of dynamic module um, where where text in one place is should is going to be re- um, represented somewhere else. Yeah, there definitely should be a uh, a UI type uh indication for that so that'll be making a return for sure
0: yeah i mean it's just more of a like oh it's orange okay be careful where else is this used i mean you don't need to know uh particularly where where else it's used hopefully if you're a you know frequent user of your own website and you're modifying it periodically you'll have some indication of where else it's being used it might not be being used elsewhere but there you go okay that's great thank you so elementor you, uh, you obviously chose to go with Beaver Builder and build it out, and you've got all of these great features, Thema, ACF, and Pods. Where are you at on the Elementor journey? Obviously, in terms of like user base, Elementor is now, uh, I don't know how many times bigger, but it certainly seems to have a, a significantly larger audience. So seems like a sensible option to head over there. Where where are you in terms of the, the feature parity?
1: So on Elementor side, um... And there's support for all modules all basic text and image modules both in the free version and in the pro version and so that's where i'm at right now and then as well as a few uh third-party supports um for the third-party elements um but i built out the infrastructure such that it's very quick to introduce more third-party uh module support it's just a, a pretty simple configuration file that i can update okay. um and so i so i'm actively working on expanding the third-party support for Elementor, as well as looking at uh, the theme builder uh, in Elementor to, to provide the, the same sort of uh, dynamic capabilities that exist in Beaver Builder today.
0: Just interested in the architecture of both of these com- um, comparatively, you know, side by side. Were there any kind of interesting things that that you achieved in Beaver Builder? And you know, you begin with a nice fresh install of Elementor for the first time, however many months ago that was, and you thought, right, okay, let's crack on with this. And suddenly you hit a roadblock because something about the way it's been um, architected is is different. I'm sure, sure, you've probably got lots of stories like that.
1: Yeah, that's something I was pretty scared of um, when I was embarking on the on the journey to support Elementor. But it turned out that um, the architectures are were similar enough uh, that I didn't have to substantially rewrite Wallace Inline. And actually, about a year ago now, maybe nine months, I completely rewrote uh, all of the architecture of Wallace Inline in order to be able to to do this sort of thing. So I, I took an early look at Elementor even back then, and was like, you know, can I? can I use the same approach? And the answer ended up being no. And so, and it needed to back then it kind of needed to be rewritten anyway. Software kind of has a, a a shortest shelf life where at least as the developer, you're like, uh, this is not working. I need to just start from scratch. And so I ended up doing that. Um, and and as a result of that, the infrastructure now is like, is way more, uh, applicable to, to be able to support different page builders. Mm -hmm. Um, and including, uh, Including Gutenberg, uh, the native WordPress builder, um, going forward still requires you know a significant amount of work, but it, it's not so much work that it's like building a whole new plugin.
0: Yeah, it, it feels to me, and you've probably got a really good insight into this. Um, it feels to me as if uh, very frequently we're seeing significant amount of um, PR from Elementor in, in terms of you know uh, features that they've added. Um, I, I can think of maybe half a dozen things that I've seen over the last six months. Whereas Beaver Builder seems to be much more steady. Away, you know, they're uh, they're sort of staying on the path. They're working well. I don't I don't know what the purpose specifically for that is, but you know, th- there's less in terms of media and what have you. And so, it kind of raises the question: with Elementor iterating so quickly. Um did has that do they re architect things massively or has that period because I know at the beginning of Elementor's journey there were a few um few discussions about the fact that they'd introduced a feature and it, it caused problems down the road. But my understanding is those days are kind of long gone.
1: Yeah, in my experience, um they're not really changing the fundamentals, mm-hmm. uh, the fundamental technical architecture of the of the plugin uh anymore. So yeah, but you're definitely right. That they're iterating, iterating very quickly, kind of up the stack, uh, if you want to call it that way, um, in terms of like the, the amount of like, design features that they're bringing in and the stuff that they're doing with like sections and like background images um, and, and stuff like that. Um, but none of that stuff affects the, kind of the day to day that I'm interacting with their software with.
0: Mm-hmm. The the plugin itself, do we have to do we have to purchase? the plugin um in the elementor version and the beaver builder version separately or do we just download one plugin and and you know throw it at either of those two page builders and it'll all be good
1: no nope, just one purchase for all all uh, page builders
0: how oh, interesting so if, you know whatever state it's at with elementor that's where it's at and whatever state it's at with beaver builder that's where it's at but you don't need to go and find the sort of elementor add-on or the beaver builder add-on or anything just just the the bare bones wallace inline plugin
1: yep that's exactly right yeah, yeah. i kind of that kind of goes along with my vision for it as a as a unified interface where it doesn't make much sense i don't think to to kind of separate out the 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 plugin in that way uh, i wanted to just integrate with whatever you're using to build sites for your clients and for it to just work and, and for you to be able to change those things
0: it's a really uh, and, interesting and, model um especially sort of from a pricing point of view because i suppose you could have approached that entirely differently you know here is something quite separate um elementor support is new it's something that was never in the beaver builder version so i'm going to i'm going to put it out there and charge separately so, wow. Okay, that's great. So if you've got a copy, if you've historically had a copy, you've basically just inherited the the capability to stick it in Elementor sites as well. That's great. Yep, that's right. Wow, that was a courageous decision. But I suppose, um, looking at it from your point of view, it was also quite a sensible decision because you'll bring over the existing users who hopefully will... You know, if if they've migrated from Beaver Builder and have started using Elementor, or, or, or vice versa, they'll um they'll be you know satisfied and talking about it and raving about it and what have you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've am selling and I have sold lifetime licenses in the past, so sure. it feels like that's like that's the best thing to do if you're selling lifetime licenses. Is you're, you're sort of selling uh, your future work as well. So yeah, it kind of it kind of uh, might rub people the wrong way a little bit. for, yeah. them, to, for them to not get you know what I'm coming out with next.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well, speaking of pricing, let's have a quick look at that. So if you go over to wallaceinline.com, so just to spell that out, W-A-L-L-A-C-E-inline.com, you'll um, currently, the date of recording this, you've got three pricing options. Do you want to just run through what uh, what the three options are and what you can achieve by spending a bit more?
1: Yeah, the three pricing tiers right now are three sites for $49 a year, and a limited number of sites for $99 a year, and then lifetime unlimited sites for $249 for a one-time purchase.
0: Okay, and uh, so, yeah, $49, 99 uh, or 249 And let me just get that right. What was the – so, th- oh, okay, three sites was the 49 option, and then if you buy the, the higher two, you can put it on unlimited on sites. So $99 per year unlimited number of sites equally with the lifetime purchase but if you if you like it it kind of makes sense to me you know when you're on your second when you're on your first renewal um it kind of feels like uh you know if you're still enjoying it and what have you it makes sense at that point maybe to to hop over to the lifetime happy with the lifetime you still feeling that's a good option i know that there's a lot of discussion about whether there's there's sort of sustainability problems with lifetime options yeah, there is
1: a lot of discussion around that, but from what I've found, um, I found I've been in business two years now with this, and I found the lifetime option to be uh, sustainable. and that, the when I compare it to the amount of support requests I'm getting versus the revenue that I get, that I think it is sustainable. But, but it's certainly possible that the, the lifetime option. Um, would either increase in price or go away in the future.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing an article. It was very recently, actually. It was um, Elliot Condon from, um, from ACF, and he put together this little table where he showed he's been going for, I think he's probably been going for, maybe 5 years or something now it might even be a little bit longer and he shows that year on year he's had um the sales have gone up by like 10% so the sales that this little bar gets a little bit bigger but the combined number of customers that that means and the support tickets each year mm-hmm. at some point it um it tipped the balance and for him uh, coming up very soon if not already he's going to uh, he's going to drop his um lifetime pricing and just head over to uh you know regular pricing uh, yep. of a yearly subscription but yeah we we'll, we 'll see hopefully if you 're still listening to this, and the year is twenty twenty two you never know it might still be there. <laughs> Go check it out. How about Gutenberg then What do you feel about this whole project where again, at the time of recording it we 're roughly a year since uh Gutenberg dropped. obviously you know it has pretensions of being a page builder, although it doesn 't try to be all things to all people what What do you make of it?
1: Um, I think it's a really good thing for WordPress overall. I think um, it had sort of a rocky beginning, and I think it was no matter what, it was always going to have a bit of a rocky start, just because people are just so, you know, persnickety about their technology and, and, the, and the fact that, oh, uh, you know, big bad automatics coming in here and, and dictating to us what we should be doing. Um, but I think overall, it's it was both necessary for the project, and I think it's going to be um, a really good thing. Um, uh, one of the interesting parts about what Matt said at the latest WordCamp uh, U.S. was that he said it was 20% done. And so you see that the pretty, like, pretty massive changes over the past year for Gutenberg. And, and you hear from the from the guy leading it that it's only 20% done. I think that tells you, like, the amount of uh, sort of institutional capital that he's put behind this thing and is going to continue to put behind it. So I think that uh, – I sort of think maybe this is too uh, too dire of a statement, but I, I sort of think get the feeling that if Gutenberg fails then WordPress itself will fail. And so I don't I don't consider that to be something that's gonna happen.
0: No. Do you do you feel that it's a direction that you're gonna move into? Because obviously um, you know the, the 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 how to describe it the difficult although the page builder made so many things much much more easy. Your 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 prime motive, I suppose, is even that's too difficult for a non-technical user. So let's just strip away all the things which a client can mess and create this Wallace Inline plugin, which just makes it super simple to edit the very basics of what you need to edit. Um, now it feels to me as if the the block editors we should probably be calling it, is is kind of reintroducing that stuff. You know, we've got um, loads of options. People are starting to invent all sorts of blocks with an infinite array of options and what have you. Do you see yourself going towards Gutenberg and, and creating Wallace in line for Gutenberg? And what I mean by that is, again, just just removing all the editor options, removing the ability to, I don't know, um, change the font, change the font size, change the size of the image, change the position, all, all of that stuff, stripping it away, just like you've done with Elementor and Beaver Builder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's probably going to be the next uh, the next page builder that I support. And like I said, I do consider it to be a page builder in the same way that Beaver Builder Elementor is. Um, and yeah, so I think that if you're making a plugin or... Or God help you, a theme uh, today mm. in, 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 the, in the WordPress marketplace. That you're going to have to contend very strongly with Gutenberg uh, sooner rather than later. I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you said that. Um, you've obviously got concerns about themes. Do you do you sort of see the um, do you see the theme era as slowly but surely coming to a close?
1: I uh, I think it's it's very quickly coming to a close
0: mm. if it hasn't already. Mm. Yeah, I don't um I I don't really see the place for
1: themes in a in a in a, a block editor-driven world.
0: Yeah. yeah, and for those of us who don't understand that rationale, who are just, you know, I've used, I'm sorry, I've used WordPress for ever and a day and we've always had a theme. There's always been a need for a theme. In fact, you must have a theme. It's it's more than, you know, it's kind of like a nice thing to have. Uh, do you want to just explain your reasoning? Because it, it is interesting.
1: Well, I think actually in the very, very early days of WordPress, there weren't themes. There was just yep. the, the one the one theme to rule them all. Yep. And I think we'll, we'll have a, a kind of return to that just because uh, historically speaking the theme has been has been there to define the look of the site um, and the and the block editor and page builders in general that's also what they do and so you, you can't really have them both be dominant uh, and I, I think you've seen the, the importance of themes in the in the page builder ecosystem decrease in importance over time And at least from my perspective what I've been saying is that the most in-demand themes if you're using a page builder are the themes that do the least it's like what's the most lightweight theme that does as little as possible that's the one i want and i think eventually that just becomes well you know i let's just not use a theme anymore And i think one of the page builders i don't remember which one does maybe you do um that doesn't require a theme.
0: yeah it's oxygen oxygen oxygen, that's the one yeah it completely over. It completely hijacks the whole sort of theme architecture, and and for that reason, it it does things in a very different way. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating, and it it is interesting. I, I I sort of share your sentiments. I don't know how long this is going to last, or uh, in the same way that we. Um, we A year ago, we were sort of, oh, goodness me, page builders, they're on the way out. There's Gutenberg. Who knows what this is going to present? You know, theme, theme builders, people who've traditionally been fabulous at creating themes. Um, no doubt there'll be a, an interesting pivot to be done whereby you, um, you become an expert in uh, building the blocks, which ostensibly do the same thing as your theme ever did, and having all of those blocks that now are the theme available for sale instead of, like, the theme itself.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be templates, it'll, maybe not even individual blocks. The way the way I think it maps is like plugins become individual blocks or sets of blocks, and then the themes become the, the page templates that you arrange them in. Yeah. So if you're a skilled designer, there will still absolutely be a place for you uh, selling those templates because those are going to be in very high demand. Everyone, uh, unless you're a skilled designer yourself, will be looking to at least start their sites from a template.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the direction of travel, you know, you only have to look um, at loads and loads of template packs that have suddenly become available with really nice design. And, and in some cases, trying to mimic that, that kind of um, the stripped down theme that you were talking about, the super lightweight theme, you know, it's basically just a wireframe with some, just, some, just some hint as to where things could go. And then the idea is you go into your page builder and, and build out all the colors and the fonts uh, yourself. Um, but then, also lots of interesting products coming around in order to kind of save those templates elsewhere, so that you can speed up the flow of your your website even more quickly. One thing that comes to mind is um, Page Builder Cloud. Um, I don't know if you've come across that product, but it's um, it's, it's you send, essentially you put a plugin into your website and from that moment on, you sync it to your own cloud. So you've got a website somewhere which you've dedicated to be the, the repository of all of your save rows and modules and what have you. You install like the child plugin. I'm probably not doing this justice, but, and then from that moment on, you can, every new site that you, that you create, you can just quickly with one button suck in all the templates that you've ever made before and saved away. I mean it's just remarkably easy to do and uh you know it takes seconds to build a build a site from things that you've already created. And I can see that becoming a bit of a thing as well, you know, um, yeah, on- online repositories of blocks and what have you, you just sort of download big packs of them. Anyway, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Um Sadly, we're out of time, uh, Bradley. I'm going to have to, uh, going to have to sort of knock it on the head, as I say. But before we, before we do that, um, do you want to, do you want to tell us anything about where we can find you? Um, Twitter handle, URLs that you want to mention, and so on.
1: Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Bradley underscore Kirby, and then definitely check out wallaceinline.com if you're making a site for uh, clients and you're using Beaver Builder Elementor.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for coming on the show today, Bradley.
1: Thanks so much. Always a fun being
0: on here, Nathan. Right, that's it. I hope that you enjoyed the podcast this week. It was very pleasurable chatting to Bradley. Like I say, it was a little bit of time ago that we recorded that podcast episode. So perhaps the odd thing has changed. You can certainly hook up with him in the Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. I know he's in there and you could ask him if anything has changed in the, in the time since we recorded it. Anyway, I hope that you found it useful and interesting. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? Well, the new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else buttons, images, headers, rows, really anything. And the best part it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress block editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Okay, we produce a lot of content. We'll certainly be back this time next week. So that's a Thursday for the podcast episode. However, remember that we produce a news episode on a Monday. And we also do a live version of the news, 2pm UK time, every single Monday. And as I said at the top of the show, join me and Sabrina on the 16th, Tuesday, the 16th of June 2020, 2pm UK time. When we begin, we embark upon our WordPress plugin Startup from 0 to 10k installs mini series. I think that'll be really enjoyable and something, something a bit fresh and interesting. Okay. Nothing more for me to say except I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye bye for now.